Hello and welcome to ITIC Insight, the podcast which shares loss prevention advice from ITIC, the world's leading provider of professional indemnity insurance for transport professionals everywhere. Hello everyone and welcome to this ITIC podcast and thanks very much for listening. My name's Tom Irving, I'm the General Manager at ITIC and today our guest is Clay Stavantia. Clay is an ITIC Board Director and also the Senior Vice President of Maersk Broker based in Copenhagen. So thanks very much, Clay, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So as, as most people listening will know, ITIC is a club, a mutual insurer, and we have a board of directors made up of representatives of the membership. So whether that's ship brokers, ship managers, ship agents, and those directors bring with them expertise in their particular industries, as well as perhaps more particular expertise legal background, accountancy background, investment knowledge, which they also bring to the bring to the board. And obviously, in these times, we can't get out and about and, and travel as we would have in the past and have you know, board meetings and seminars in different parts of the world. So hopefully, these podcasts give you as our, our membership and our insurance brokers that we work with a chance to get to know ITIC a bit better and our, our directors. So, Clay, I wonder if we might just kick off, if you could tell us a bit more about your background and your time at Merce Broker. Well, my background with um, with Merce Broker goes back, I dare say, a bit more than 30 years. Rather usual uh, way into a company, at least in Denmark that many years ago, was that you took an apprenticeship. Uh, I actually started out at the at our related company, AP Muller Maersk. We're not part of the group, but related, and, and did the normal two-year apprenticeship started in in uh, AP Muller Sale and Purchase which was then one part of Merce Broker and um, ended up staying put so to speak I had a short stint in in Merce Line which I was certainly not cut out to do uh, and then have had a near 30 year career with uh, Merce Broker with a 8 9 year period out in Asia uh, being living in Hong Kong and the latter part was 3 years in in Tokyo and have now been in in back at Merce Broker Copenhagen for quite a few years. And that was sort of my entry into to, to the world of ITIC as we as our business grew, became a bigger and bigger member with, with more and more activities and um, also got more and more help from ITIC. Um, so our interest in ITIC obviously has grown over the years. So I think, Clay, probably everyone that's listening will know the name Maersk, one of the biggest names in, in shipping. Um, so... Perhaps you could tell us specifically a bit more about Merce Broker. So I guess what kind of, you know, what kind of broken the split between your different activities and markets you're in and, and that kind of thing? As I said, uh, we, we are a private company uh, and people often make the unintended mistake of thinking we are part of AP Muller Merck, which is a stocklisted company, but it's simply due to the family and we are controlled by, by the Merck family and, and hence we've had the name for a bit more than 100 years. But we are a private uh, private company engaged globally within a traditional ship broker. We are fairly bricks and mortar in the sense that we are not part, we don't have FFA activities or other related activities, but, but we are, have a lot of digital offerings that we're working on, but solutions for our client. But in the business sphere, we are very traditional being an asset business, being at new buildings secondhand, and then within the various tonnage segment, but with a main focus on container vessels, dry cargo, and tankers, including gas. And then we also have a bit of offshore, including wind energy. We also, a couple of years ago, started an advisory business, 
where we try to bridge the gap between the capital markets and the maritime world. Part of that is a, quite a significant offering within research for clients, and in part of that being valuation services, which which is quite a big chunk of our of, of the business as well. So, so quite broad in, in in the sense of business scope, and and then with a I would say global footprint. Uh, we used to have agency business, but found out that it didn't fit our strategic future. So we sold off that five or six years ago and have since focused on, on pure ship broking with the addition of, of our advisory business being the latest uh, bit. So we, we, we were speaking just earlier before we started about the sort of impact of, of COVID in the last 12 months of people mainly working from home, probably wherever they are in the world, really. But I wonder what, what sort of impact has, has COVID in the last 12 months had on Merce Broker as a, as a company? Well, it has had a multiple a multitude of of, uh, of different impacts, so to speak, if we can call it that. We are in difficult different cities globally, so the impact has has been quite different and with a different timeline. We have offices in China, which obviously were initially impacted, being closed down for obvious reasons. Uh, so we had to work from home there. Also, we have offices in Japan, Korea, through Southeast Asia. So, so the timeline has been different, but we've all been impacted at various stages with the fact that we have had to, to work from home. And our organization has quite remarkably been able to, to, to handle that. So that has had an impact on, on our colleagues and how we've been able to conduct our business, how our, our administrative services have also worked. But I'm, I must admit that, that our organization has proven quite resilient and, and that our our IT backbone also has proven to be up to the task of having everybody work from home. We've obviously had to invest in uh, in quite a bit of hardware in terms of people having the right right hardware and, and stuff to to work from home. But but it's that part we have handled, I think, to the benefit of our clients, which is obviously the most important. So there's been very little negative impact in the sense of our inability or potential inability to to service them. Then obviously our clients have had many different impacts of, uh, they have also obviously been influenced by, by, by how the respective markets have reacted to the COVID situation. And, and quite frankly, the, um, the second quarter of, of, of 2020, our outlook was extremely negative. Business volume was reduced. Uh, asset values were reduced in many segments. We were looking at the, not the worst dry cargo market in, in a long time, but something that nearly approached the levels in 2016. Container vessel rates also plummeted as, as our clients on, on, on the liner side redelivered ships. Nobody wanted to transact business unless they really had to. Offshore business was obviously impacted because oil prices fell dramatically. So 12, 10, 12 months ago, our outlook was extremely negative and we were quite concerned. Uh, with respect of, of, of uh, how well our clients, even the most cash rich, could, could handle a, a prolonged crisis that we were potentially looking at. Positively, that, the exception for that was that the tanker markets had a, a, a brief but quite uh, profitable uh, three months, one would say. But uh, things changed when we came to the summer. Dry cargo markets improved slightly and continue to improve, and and the container market started also to to show improvements against most expectations. The tanker market started to reduce. 
what people have started to have a more positive outlook and, and actually wanted to transact it. And we live from transactions in a sense. Uh, so suddenly things were looking up, but at the same time we were faced with, with uh, let's say, a, a fairly uncertain outlook because in the autumn, uh, late autumn, we started to see close downs uh, again in various countries and we had, let's call it for a better, lack of a better word, a second wave of, of COVID and um, that's how we entered the new year. Drying containers has been on the up since the start of the new year. People uh, have wanted to buy and sell ships. New buildings have started to uh, look up. Oil prices have improved, so offshore business is a little bit more active, and, and at least uh, people in the tank industry are, are beginning to look a little bit further down the line. So in terms of business, the outlook is much different from, from 12 months ago. So I would say if we could look at sort of the impact on Merzbrook as a whole. We probably lost a quarter, for lack of a better description, uh, last year in terms of, uh, of business, but we have recovered quite well the last six months of last year. So, so, so we, are, we are not unhappy. That put, let's put it this way. I think, it's, um, I think that's right. You talk about the second quarter of last year, and I suspect a lot of companies, ours, ours included, were sort of re-forecasting and re-re-forecasting and thinking you know, things were all going to be pretty, pretty terrible. And perhaps that, you know, as you say, over, over the last European summer, Things perhaps, you know, indications things weren't going to be as bad as perhaps yeah, people, people just didn't know than they thought. I guess people just didn't know, did they? It was like, oh, no, when the whole world locks down or shuts down. But I guess you kind of realize shipping is probably not a bad industry to be in. I think the industry as such is used to uh, people, uh, things not being, they're being predictable. But we also know that even though we predicted quite a bit, then things do not turn out exactly as we thought. So a lot of shipping organizations or shipping companies are, are rather agile by nature and are used to the fact that they need to react to, to black swans or, or other unforeseen uh, circumstances. But I haven't, even though people say I'm fairly old, then I haven't lived through any uh, pandemics. And, and I must admit that I could not, I had a fairly negative outlook uh, during the second quarter of of last year and uh, obviously that clouded my my view of things during during at least parts of last year so i wonder if you know something you mentioned earlier was was the digital offerings that most broker sort of has and i think you know with probably ship broking kind of like insurance people seem to think it's ripe for kind of innovation and perhaps more automation fewer people i'm not sure that's necessarily played out i don't know if you have a view on that and also perhaps uh, you know, what sort of opportunities, challenges you see for, for shipbroking as a sector over the next sort of medium, short, medium term? Well, I think as an industry, we're quite conservative. And that means that, that in terms of, of automation and digitalization, we have been as a whole rather slow in, uh, in our uptake on, on how to, to address this. I think this is... Um, gaining momentum in various parts of our business. And I think as this, as any intermediary, it's about the value that you create for your client. And if it's just down to being able to transact mechanically the business correctly, then probably your, your longevity in the business is not very, very long, so far. I think you have to add value in many different aspects. And having the right system and setups and being able to transact the business, whatever that may be, correctly and efficiently, is just one part of the service offering uh, that we think you as an intermediary, being it a ship broker or other intermediaries, we're here to, to offer a service that means that 
our client do the right transaction uh, at the right point in time with the right terms and, and, and so forth. And there are many different aspects to that. But one of them is obviously that you are very efficient in how you handle that business and how you administer that business. And I think we can do a lot of things to improve on, on that scale. But we can certainly also improve our service offering uh, on other parameters as well. But as an industry, we are quite slow. I think once we move, we move, we move rather radically and, and, and get things done. We have had various initiatives over the last 10, 15 years. And, and I must admit, it's not been our own hesitance that has that's due to the speed of progression, but rather that, that, that our clients have been, um, I would say, maybe timid in their approach to this because they also know their own organizations. They also know their stakeholders and, and their landscape. So they have wanted to move, move with the speed that they thought would, would be adequate. But but I think we will eventually get there. And there's a lot of uh, ITIC members and, and that are trying trying to, to to improve on this. So I think that's quite quite interesting to watch and and try to learn from. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned place the the long association between Merce Broker and, and ITIC, and you've been on the ITIC board for I think just around three just over three years now. So I wonder, sort of, you know, drawing on your, you probably, we probably haven't seen as much of you as we would have liked in the last year but you know what uh, what have you enjoyed about about being on being on the board and, and sort of sitting alongside some you know other other people from the industry well i think one of the reasons why uh, we accepted for a representative to be on itic's board was the fact that we expected to be able to learn a lot from other members and to get a closer knowledge closer access to the knowledge base that uh, ITIC had in terms of um, what is it that other members sees in terms of fraud, what other mistakes are our members unfortunately making, what, how can we learn from that, uh, how can we improve our own uh, our own business by learning from what, unfortunately we all make mistakes, but if we can learn from other people and, and, and ensure not to make those mistakes or not fall in the pitfalls of uh, the efforts to, to, to defraud uh, various members that we see specifically within um, you know some of the things that we see where people try to change bank accounts and all these these things and actually to get in the, on the inside so to speak to really learn from from ITIC and its member base that, that was one of the biggest reasons why we accepted to 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 join and, and then obviously also to 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 get a network in terms of of the other members also not only shipbroking members but certainly also some of the other members that there are potential clients of ours that we can do joint uh, efforts with so and that's and then the third year on a more personal basis it, it was to get gain further knowledge about the insurance industry and specifically in the insurance industry that, that that supports our business we've had great help from ITIC in some very unfortunate cases we have had in Denmark with our former agency business and and where we have been in a, a legal battle with with our local tax authorities for seven years and, and thankfully also with the help of ITIC we just won the first case and we expect that will also be part of um, that we will win the subsequent cases we will have we have one or two left uh, and actually the, the experience we had with ITIC was also, let's say, a fourth reason why we thought, in a sense, I don't know whether we can pay back, but at least we can try to contribute to ITIC because we've had so good help from uh, ITIC with these unfortunate uh, cases that we thought should never have been cases. But we have um, uh, tax authorities in Denmark uh, with, with their own agenda, apparently. 
I think that's uh, that's that raises an interesting point because obviously you know the, the cover that we provide to members is principally for claims where you have made mistakes, but it does also pick up those situations where there are you know, you know claims brought or allegations made, and you know often we have members clearly thinking that something is is complete you know fabrication or a sort of spurious claim, and but but we're also there to to stand stand beside members in those yeah, in those situations as well. Um, so finally, Clay, I wonder what you wanted to tell us. Maybe what you're looking forward to to doing once uh, once we're all out of these restrictions, whether it's going to the pub or a bit of travel, or what's what's on your on your well, agenda? That, 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 how long time do we have? There's quite a few things on my agenda, uh, but on a business level, I would say even though uh, the last twelve months have proven that we can do a lot of business, if not on the phone, then via Skype, live cycle, uh, Teams whatever medium soon uh, whatever medium then there's still business and relationships that gain from actually uh, meeting up and, and spending some time together uh, there's a lot of things that, that that do actually present themselves when you spend a bit of time together with either colleagues which i very much miss being able to to visit our, our offices around the world we have a brand new office in singapore with 50 people where i haven't seen that but it's it's a fantastic facility that i hope to uh, uh, enjoy uh, we're getting a brand new office in athens uh, we're getting a new office in beijing so to, to see our colleagues around the world and, and visit their clients and our clients together and then go to some of my old clients uh, in asia for instance where I know that there will be business opportunities to discuss, but they simply don't feel the the the, the need or the wish to try to do some stuff like that on, on a Zoom call, but they expect us to, to, to be able to come down and, and spend some time with them and discuss uh, the pros and cons of a, of a new investment. Uh, so, so to see clients and, and certainly to meet up uh, our colleagues around the world is something that I really miss and, and look forward to. Personally, yeah, uh, I think there's a few mountains on my bicycle that I would like to revisit and probably it's not the mountains but it's it's more more likely the lunch afterwards where we can discuss how slow I was again this year uh, that that uh, that part I miss and, and we don't have a lot of mountains here uh, so yeah there'll be a bit of travel in the, in that respect also a bit of, bit of bit of travel with your bike sounds like a good good, good plan for the brilliant well I hope I hope we can meet up Sometime, sometime soon, of course, and, and things things return to a bit of bit of normality. But in the meantime, thanks very much, Clay, for joining us today. And I'm sure everyone listening has found that very very interesting and insightful. So we'll uh... hope to see you soon. Thank you for having uh, having me or having us. Thank you for listening to Itic Insight. We hope you found this edition interesting and informative. To ensure you never miss an episode, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and wherever you get your podcasts.